Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is you're watching. Could even be through the night. Who cares? Uh, welcome to the Cheltenham Festival 2021 preview podcast with my two special guests. And I am uh, delighted to welcome along a man who made a profit of uh, something like a million points to level stakes over a 10-year period. I want quite a million, but something like 300 points uh, with his value bet column on sportinglife.com, um, former uh, colleague of mine in the office and some good times back in the day, including a trip down to Paul Nichols's yard probably about a decade ago. Uh, Scoop, Ben Linfoot. Welcome, Ben. Thanks, JD. A, a lovely introduction there. I do remember that uh, trip down to Ditchy. It was a golden era for Nichols back then, wasn't it? With the uh, big big books and masterminded and, and Carter being paraded. So, uh, I, think, I think you yeah, might have taken my well. photograph next to Denman, um, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway... There you go. I'm sure it's still on your mantelpiece. That it, it probably is. There's, there's, there's a, actually right in front of me, just over your head at the moment, is, um, is the front page of the Racing Post from the day after he won the Gold Cup, which says Demolition. But that was for the past. Uh, Dan is, um, Dan's our other guest, Dan Barber, Time Form Jumps the editor. Um, and, of course, uh, Racing TV star <laughs> pundit, as he is these days, or not till some people on social media. But he's gone from a Cheltenham Preview podcast to somewhere like Barbados at the moment. Yeah, this is going well, JD. You've asked me, you've asked me to um, try and sort this background out, and I quite like the current one, actually. I'm, I feel like I'm sunning myself and lockdown's nowhere to be seen. I will work it, though, JD. I'll have the right one soon. I, I think you must be spending too much time in bed, though, in Barbados uh, with uh, <laughs> Mrs. Barber, because um, you ain't got much of a tan there, pal. No, it's very true. It's very true, and I'm, I shouldn't really be wearing a jumper as well. Uh, no. Are you napping Barbados right. books, Dan? Is it a link to your better for work? <laughs> if I was that computer savvy, it might be something that <laughs> subtle, yeah, but unfortunately not. It's just, this is just like watching your granddad try to use an <laughs> iPhone or something, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, is it going to blow up? Uh, I'm sorry, JD, I wish you could have introduced me in a similarly positive way. I wish I'd have been able to record such profits as Ben, but I'm afraid you'll have to make do with me. Yeah, well, we'll put up with you. Um, just, just for the next uh, whatever it'll take to do this. And we don't quite know, actually, how long it's going to take, so we might even be cutting this call and redoing another one and refusing together, but that's all part of the editorial magic. Let's crack on. Uh, four days of Cheltenham 2021. Um, not quite the roar this year. It'll probably be a little round of applause, as it will probably for the Gold Cup winner as well. It'll be really, really strange in that respect. Um, but in other respects, namely, there will be some bankers going... There'll be some that get sunk and there'll be a few big price winners. Uh, it will be um, as you were as far as Cheltenham festivals go. Let's um, concentrate on the grade ones to start with. We'll have a peek at the, the handicaps and the shoulder races uh, a little bit later on. But starting chronologically with, um, with the Cheltenham non-raw uh, ahead of the Supreme. Um, and uh, let's have a look at this one in a bit more detail. And of course, um, appreciate it. Heading the market 13 to 8-ish at the moment with uh, most firms second in last year's bumper, uh, a couple of uh, demolition jobs in group ones at Leopardstown this time around at home and host from uh, one or two of the pundits I've heard talking about before the off in this one. Where does this stand in the, the plans of you two? Let's start with you then, Dan. Yeah, I was, I was asked to write an article for social media team at Timeform last week, and it was, which fab do you want to be against most strongly? And so... By definition, you're looking for something that maybe you weren't didn't come to you instinctively, which are often the best bets. But the more I looked, the more I thought, well, 
I had this in the back of my mind that appreciate it might be the obvious candidate, and I, I sort of I've nailed my colours to the mask, so I'm sort of stuck with opposing him. Really, I mean, my angle, and I'm not a massive ground exponent at all. I'm not one of those who thinks so he can only show his form and good to soft, or he can only show his form and good to firm, that sort of stuff. But I do think it changes the dynamic of a race, and he's never raced on anything as quick as I suspect will face on the first day of Cheltenham. He's been doing it on soft and heavy. He looks more of a stayer at the trip to me. That's my reading of him. He looks more like a champagne fever than a, say, a Duvan or a, even a Vator. And you could probably put classical dream in that. It was more of a speed horse than a staying horse. And I, w- I think it's quite a difficult task for his rider. He's a brilliant rider, of course, to town end. But he's got to make sure he goes hard enough to bring his stamina into play. But if he goes too hard, he's going to leave himself short for the finish. And without having nailed my colours to the mast, apart from opposing him with anything I really want to back against him, I thought there was mileage in maybe soaring glory each way because he's very solid. It's good quality handicap form. We know the history of horses that have won or run well in that race coming to Cheltenham. No wins, but numerous good placed efforts. The likes of Get Me Out of Here, My Tent or Yours. Kalashnikov was just chinned. And I think the key point with this race for me is it has to be a substandard supreme because at the start of the season, Fernie Hollow was the main talking horse for this. And we've lost him. And we've also lost the main British hope who looked like being the main British hope, who was Dusart, who saw off Soaring Glory when they met earlier in the season at Newbury. So I don't think it will take as much winning as usual, which is why I think Soaring Glory will be banged there even if he ran to a rating that wasn't as high as a few of those better hurdle winners that have gone before. If they do go off hard, Ben, um, as they're taken to doing in uh, the first race of the festival, everyone trying to get off to a flyer, is Metier perhaps your idea of somebody who's going to be able to grind it out um, at a lickety-split sort of pace and still be um, full of running up the hill? He, he's a con- contender, isn't he? The way he travelled in the Tolworth, um, he, he's a horse from the flat, he's got flat speed, it could be a crucial weapon against Appreciate It in the Supreme. It is a, it is a substandard Supreme, I think, uh, like Dan said. Um, and with that in mind, you can, you can sort of see why I Appreciate It is 11 to 8, but I do want to take him on as well. He's it, just, it, it, Willie Mullins was saying at the start of the season, he thought he might be a two and a half miler. Then he obviously lost Bernie Hollow to injury and Appreciate It sort of, Stood in for him over two miles and has done so well. But you do think he might lack a, a gear over this trip. And uh, it's just finding one to take him on with. Soaring Glory would be my idea of the one as well. Um, seven to one. Obviously travelled so well in the Betfair Herd. It looks like he's got all the credentials for this race. We had a story on site last night from John Joe saying that he might not run, which I can't understand. I mean, mm. why, why would you not run him? It's a wide open supreme. He's got all the tools you want to win it I don't know if it was a red herring or what but just it's not the Grand National is on. it it's not, it's not like saying we won't want to risk you in the National it's just a Supreme exactly and there was even the old social runner thing mentioned you know the owner won't be there but surely it's not a social runner if you're 7-1 to one for a Supreme mm. you've, got, you've got a winning chance so he'd be my idea of the bet if, if he turns up uh, I think Mathieu's chance as well uh, one at a bigger price that I like is Keskon Risk, who's been beaten by Appreciate It this season, but I think he will improve significantly on better ground. I think Joseph O'Brien's looking at the Ballymore for him, uh, but if he did turn up in the Supreme, 
with, with a bit of good in the going description uh, off a strong gallop, I think he might close the gap on Appreciate It um, and, and, and might be one to consider each way. I've got to say, I do like Appreciate It, but I think he's plenty skinny enough at 13 to 8. That would be my take on the race, but I think he's, he's clearly a worthy uh, favourite. But there's, there is plenty of chat about What about Ballet Adam? Sorry? 11 to 8, he's best in the village. 11 to 8. He's really short now, yeah. You're talking him down uh, all the time here, Ben. Um, uh, by the way, can, are you able to adjust your volume up slightly? Um, if you can, that would be great. Just a, a, a bit more. Slightly. Sound, if Dan's in Barbados, you sound you're kind of on, like on the moon, but maybe at this stage, <laughs> you know, with a bit of a Houston, we have a problem uh, marginally. Um, keep bumping it up if you can. Uh, third time lucky, by the way, if, if he turns up for this, um, we're not sure yet. And I think Dan Skelton's still recently been saying, I don't think he's nailed his colour to the mass with this race or the county yet. Um, which one would you be taking, Dan? if you were a third-time Lucky's trainer and, and has he got a chance in this if it was this one? Yeah, I'd probably go for this. Um, as I've stressed, I think it's a weaker race than normal. It's not the fault of the race. It's the fault of those that aren't taking part because of injuries. And I don't. Th- I suppose it doesn't really matter to some degree. I, I thought he was a bet, non-runner, no bet each way for this, 33s, 40s, not long ago. Um but the skeleton's record in the county is such that he looks not ideal type. But the key thing for him, whichever of the two he goes for, he'll probably have to run to a similar rating anyway to win either off his handicap mark. But it's the idea for me that the only time he's running a proper race so far where they've gone an end-to-end pace was the champion bumper last season and he did best of the British horses in finishing fourth. I can see him... I just don't... I mean, there was a silly race at Cheltenham where for pleasure nicked it I thought and then there was a silly race at Musselburgh where Donald's horse bareback Jack crawled around in front and then third time lucky blunder at last so I do, I do think he would be a runner in this but it appears that the county is their preferred option from what I've been hearing Okay I think we've done the supreme let's have a look at the article and, and by the way um, thanks to those of you who are watching this and are therefore um, helping to contribute towards some fundraising for Roden Cricket Club and I know some of the Roden lads um, are saying this is their banker of the week in Shiskin who's showing up on my screen at the moment as 11 to 10 on from uh, Energumin at uh, 2 to 1 and then 13 to 2 all mankind 14s bar that trio um, Shiskin, obviously last year's Supreme winner, um, hugely impressive travelling and, and jumping displays in both the Wayward Lad and the Lightning at Doncaster to win um, unextended. Uh, banker of the week, when we certainly haven't seen the best of an Ergumine yet, could he be um, banker material for you, Ben? Well, this is the race of the week, isn't it, guys? The Sporting Life Arkansas yeah, Trophy. I think it's... Uh... It's a fantastic renewal. Um, two top-class novices. I mean, how often do you see two 160-plus novices running a, a grade one at, at Cheltenham in March? It's, it's pretty much unheard of. I, I certainly can't think of another occasion that it's happened. It might well have done. Um, uh, it's very tough to choose between, between the two, isn't it? But I think Energy means chase form is stronger. Um, it was obviously... a. a a fantastic time last time when it matched up so well with Shaq and Parsoir at Leopard's Town. He beat a grade one winner by 10 lengths in Franco de Port. He is just improving all the time and looks 
a formidable chaser. And I look at the odds, and he's slightly bigger than Shishkin, isn't he? At around nine to four, and um, I find it very hard to split them. But if I was going to back one of them, it would be an Ergumine, just on the basis that he's got stronger chase form and he's a bigger price. I do acknowledge that he jumps out to his right a little bit. It doesn't concern me too much, I must admit. And um, I just think it's going to be an absolute cracker. I hope, I hope the two of them are jumping the last together. Dan, I mean, Captain Guinness, um, I think, I'm not sure if you put him up last year on preview night. I certainly did um, in whichever hurdle race he was running in. And that escapes me without having written down. But um, I just was so impressed with the way an argument sort of readily pulled clear of him at, uh, at Nace back in, in January. It looks like he's got a real engine and is, is at the moment still in that could-be-anything category. Yeah, he really is. I mean, uh, so much of this race re- rests on the tactical angle for me and I suppose the jockeyship as well um, because there's a potential, more than a potential nuisance. We know which way our mankind will be ridden. And when they rode him like it last season, he got completely dismissed by Goshen in the triumph hurdle. I have this feeling that Cheltenham isn't going to be for all mankind. I can see him, his low jumping, meaning that he makes an early mistake. I'm not saying he'll tip up, but I can see him getting out of rhythm. And I can imagine him at an ergamine getting the run of it to some extent. But I'm just a massive fan of Shishkin. I think he's probably the, the most exciting horse in training, even more so than Envoy Allen. To, to win a Supreme against a horse that is now single figures for a champion hurdle in Abracadabras, despite getting knocked sideways at the second last, then getting caught behind horses, he then made the headway. And it's one thing getting alongside, he then was able to see it through as well. So I think he's a, a phenomenal talent. And if all mankind can serve a purpose of getting to, say, halfway and Nergamines had to do some work to see him off by then, I sort of feel it might have softened him up enough to leave him vulnerable to Shishkin. But I, I very much doubt I'll be having a bet in this race at this stage, I think. I mean, if you wanted to play the distances, maybe. I mean, the scenario where Shishkin wins, I don't see him scrambling home by a head. I think he'll win convincingly because the race has been set up for him. But as it stands, JD and Ben, I've not, I've not parted with a penny and I don't think I will for the arc. I'll be the Sporty Life arcle, might I add. And looking forward to watching it, I think it's an absolute smasher. Interestingly enough, um, uh, yeah, we'll give the sport in life uh, another plug there as well for you, Ben. Um, interestingly enough, I, I saw an interview with, with Dan Skelton where he said that um, he, he sort of obviously clearly didn't want to concede defeat before the race kicks off. But he said, if we are going to get beaten in this race, the first horse that comes by us will be Inergumine. And then it's whether or not Shiskin has got its kick um, you know, left to get by that one, but he didn't think he clearly thought that an ergamine was was going to be more able, if you like, to to lay up with the pace. I think, and that she's going to be coming from off it. I think that's that's about right. Um, all mankind, he he's got some engine, hasn't he? But he does tend to clobber one. I mean, he made a mistake at the second last at Warwick, didn't he? Quite badly in the Kinmaker. I mean, he just will not get away with that in this race. And no. they're such good jumpers. The the two at the top of the market. I just I do think it's a two-horse race. And every time I say that, the, the third one goes and wins. But, uh, <laughs> shades, shades the thing is, normally, if, you, if you've got a race of this shape and you're looking for something each way, but he's the absolute opposite of an each-way horse, isn't he, all mankind? Yeah. Because 
you know you don't want the seven to four that he finishes place or the seven to five, not a second. Yeah. It shades of um Harkon and Banjo in a, an RSA back in the nineties. You remember that was a two horse race and won by brief gale for Josh Gifford and of course Shades of Cotto and Denman in 2010 when Imperial Commander came sweeping mm. by. Mm. Um, anyway, I'm, <laughs> I am going to come down on uh, Shiskin, but I think uh, I am very, very, very worried about uh, Energumine, I've got to say. Ben, obviously, our value bet is Energumine, and, and Dan, you're coming down with Shiskin. So, what? yep, if you've got anything to add. Yeah, just nothing, nothing to add, really. It's, it, I wouldn't be betting him at all. I just think he's... A very exciting yeah. horse. Okay. Um, champion Hurdle and feature, of course, on day one. And we have uh, the Mayor, Honeysuckle, nine to four favourite. Um, the defending champion and Mayor, Epitont, seven to two. And Goshen at fours. And it's double figure prices. The rest, uh, now we were both down very, very sweet on Goshen. I remember at last year's preview night. And I was actually hosting at a, a Cheltenham afternoon um, over at Huddersfield Town on the day of, on the afternoon of the Gold Cup day. Having a real good time of it, I've got to say. And Goshen um, was obviously I was dancing and singing and all the rest of it when he was coming around the home turn before it all went pear shaped. And it sort of did, didn't it, towards the uh, earlier in the season, I should say, for him. But then came back with a, a real bang last time. Has he got what it takes to make this step up? Is this a, a fairly weak renewal of a champion hurdle if Epitont is not the horse she was after what we saw at Kempton? Or is she? I don't know if it is weak because you've got two very, very good mares there and the, the Geldings have got to give seven pounds away and we've seen Annie Power Epiton prove just how lethal a, weight, a sex allowance that can be. I swear, I've not recovered from that Goshen thing. It's one of the, it's one of the most brutal scourings I've ever had. I was like so confident. I'm not a bullish person at all. It's not in my nature. But I was, I was so certain he was the best horse in the triumph last season. It was the massive high... Like one of the last legs in a lucky 15 or something and to the crushing low as he, as he hits the floor. But I do think there was a real element of him getting back on track last time. You can pick holes in that form, of course you can, but what do you rate it? I mean, he beat Song for someone who hasn't run a bad race in ages by a mammoth margin. And just thought, I think you can tell with this horse, he's one of those Goshen, you can tell from the way he's going through his race when he's on it. Um, he was still tugging at the second last in the triumph, for instance, and I thought there was an element of that with him at Wincanton. They didn't ride him as aggressively as they have done. He sort of was happy to to get a lead. It'll be a similar scenario here. And that's one thing to definitely mention, the fact that Silver Streak looked a different horse for a positive ride at Kempton. Is he going to go forward as well? Goshen's normal tactics to be aggressive. There are others in there, aren't there, that are, are liable to be forcing the pace. Um, I just find it's a really hard race. I mean... I think there's such a range in terms of pricing up five of them, the first handful in the betting, that I just couldn't be confident either way. Epitant's a seven to four chance on last season's form, probably. On Kempton, she's a seven to one chance. Um, Goshen's four to one at the moment. If he's in the same form as a Triumph, he could be a nine to four chance. If he's the same Goshen at the start of the season when he's running on the flat, he's a nine to one, <laughs> 20 to one chance. So, again, another tough, tough race for me. And I mean, what's your, what are your feelings on it? And, and Honeysuckle, let's bring you in on that because um, she, although uh, I've had one or two people saying she's 
exposed ahead of the market. She's not really, is she? Because she still keeps finding a couple of pounds more and a couple of pounds more with these performances. And she's unbeaten, isn't she? She's uh, 10 from 10. So it's hard to say if we've seen the best of her yet. Um, she's she's a fantastic mare. There's two fantastic mares in here with Epiton as well. And I, I do think that it's going to be very difficult for any gelding in the race to give them both seven pounds and, and win. Um, Goshen obviously has bounced back onto the scene after his, his win last time. Um, I think it'll help him. There's bags of pace in there. There's loads. I mean, Dan was saying there's Silver Street, there's Honeysuckle, there's Goshen... There's Jason the Militant who likes to go forward. There is a lot of pace in this champion hurdle. I think it's going to be a key factor. You look at last year and Epitant won off a... It was a good even gallop, wasn't it? They went a bit quicker in the Supreme than they did in the champion. And um, she won with a turn of foot up the hill after travelling well. Um, if, she, if, she's, if she can utilise that again, I think she's the one they've, got, they've all got to beat. And, you know... Nicky Henderson's taken Bivadere out. I think the vibes are pretty strong that he's got her back where he wants her after Christmas. She was obviously below form at Christmas. And uh, if she's in the same sort of nick she was 12 months ago and the race is run how I think it'll be run, I, I think Epitant is probably the one to beat. But there's a few ifs in there and Honeysuckle's a huge player. I have it between the mares. Um, and uh, Epitant, she was 2-1 to one after Christmas and pretty much twice the price now, I think it's probably a fair bet. Okay. Are you nailing your colours to the mass then, Dan? Matt, I'm, this would be a real small stakes race. I'm sitting out the Arkland. I'll, I'll be having buttons on this. I might, and maybe it's part blind loyalty, I might have a small win-only bet on, on Goshen. I was a few weeks ago thinking that I'd back Silver Streak each way in the hope that the field cut up. But Jason the Militant, as Ben said, is on the scene now and he does nothing but front run. So he doesn't look the each way angle that I thought he might have been. So Goshen, small bet win only. Okay, and I'm uh, I'm not going to desert him um, either. I've got to say, I'm still hugely impressed with him, and I just think if any if anything he's going to beat either of the mares, then um, he's you know, still got untapped potential. So uh, Goshen for me. Um, we've got four grade ones, of course, aren't we, on the first day. Um, so let's have a look at the uh, the close brothers. Mayor's hurdle, as it is these days. Uh, six in a row for uh, Quivega, of course, in the past. Um, and Willie Mullins, benefit, isn't it? Nine out of 13 uh, renewals. He has won. And surprise, surprise, he has the favourite here in Concertista, who's uh, around about the five to four mark. She was second in the uh, the grade two Mayor's novice at 66 to one two years ago. Um, and, of course, won it last year by 12 lengths as a nine to two chance. Um, she's a worthy favourite, I would have said. It's hard to argue with that. But um, with Roxana still very likely to be in the field, particularly if there is some significant rain between now and then, according to Dan Skelton, who's been there and done it. Uh, no done deal, this is it, boys? Dan? Mm. Um, no, I wouldn't say it's a done deal at all. I mean, she, had, she has really impressed me. That was that was a Razzie like, wasn't it, last season? That that midfield to bursting clear as she did. She looked a, a bit of a freak, and I don't think she'd have been out of place trying to take advantage of a mare's allowance in a champion hurdle. But Roxana has already proven that she can mix it with the boys in 
the top staying races. She's got that form behind, which, which looks the best staying form on offer, Paisley Park and Time Hill. And apart from those those two, Damda Company's a runner for me as well, and she's the biggest price of the trio. I think I'd, I think I'd sooner back her each way. The chasing debut was didn't really teach us anything. I don't think Cornerstone lads taken to fences. It was a match. She survived an early mistake to win. Then she's unseated. But she was a fast-progressive mare last season. It culminated with the Cheltenham handicap win. She looks like... She looked then that she was going to be one of those mares that will be a regular fixture in, in graded races. And maybe we're getting a slightly bigger price because of what's happened over fences the other week when she unseated. But if she had gone here straight from the profile she had last season and would have had a spin over hurdles, I don't think she'd have been the price she's now. I didn't think I'd be putting her up at all, but the more I looked at the race, the more I thought there might be a, a bit of juice in her because obviously the favourite is very, very short. OK, down to company then. Um, ben, your thoughts? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree, actually. I, obviously, the Coral Cup win last year, and um, I think if there's one to beat, Constantista, it's her. Roxana, I think she'd be running in the wrong race. I think she's a miles better horse over three miles. You look how close up she finished at Ascot behind uh, Time Hill and Paisley Park, and um, I think now on three or four occasions, she's proven she's better over three, and looking at the ground and the weather forecast, and I think she'd be better off in the stairs with the, the £7 allowance and try and beat the big two. But um, I don't think she would win this race again if she turns up. Uh, Concertista looks fantastic and Donda Kapan is a, a worthy rival as well. So I'll probably sit this one out, but um, I'd agree with Dan on the, on the selection. Yeah, um, I'd probably go with a selection with the favourite, I've got to say, on what I've seen. Um, but... Uh, probably be a race to watch um, from my point of view but yeah just to say um, on the record Dan, Dan Skelton has gone on the record as saying we are fully committed to the mares with Roxana um, and hoping for rain between now and the festival Ben clearly not happy with that decision okay that's um, day one for the grade ones let's move on to the Wednesday and uh, we've already had a message up I don't know if everybody could see that or not saying that we're running out of time on this first call so we'll um, We'll be back on for part two whenever this runs out. Um, we might just get a chance to squeeze in the, the Ballymore uh, first race on Wednesday. 2-5, of course. We've got um, joint favourites in this one with uh, Gaylard du Maynil. Um, that's uh, probably Eddie Waring pronunciation. Gaylard du Maynil and um, Bob Olinger. <laughs> Around about 11-4 to four for uh, Willie and for Henry de Bromhead. Um, thoughts on the race then, uh, Ben? I uh, I really like Brave Man's game. I must admit, he uh, he's got a few things to overcome, hasn't he? A, a bad record of Chalo winners in the at, at Cheltenham, full stop, and in this race. And obviously, Paul Nichols has never won this race or the Albert Bartlett. He's uh, not got a good record in the sort of staying novice hurdles. But to be fair to him, he's not had too many runners, which is a bit surprising considering all those good staying chasers he, he's had through his hands. Obviously, Denman was second in this race, as was Rock on Ruby, but. Brave Man's Game, I just, I love this horse. His only defeat this season was to Soaring Glory over two, and we've seen what that horse has done over two. And since stepping up to two and a half, he's just looked a different animal. And uh, I love how efficient he is. He's so professional. He travels, he jumps, he's, he does everything uh, in the right manner. And um, if there's one that beats him from Ireland, they're going to be a very, very good horse. And uh, he's, he's one of my 
better bets of the week, I think, Brave Man's game. You look at the market now with the money for Bob Ollinger and, and Galad de Mesnil, and I think he even represents a fair price at, at what he's gone out to around 4 to one ninety two. So, yeah, strongly on Brave Man's game for me. Yeah, um, I like him. Dan, anything different? No, I think it's stayed in the UK, and I think I, I definitely prefer Brave Man's game of the trio at the head of it. But I, d- I do think Bear Gills has got an awful lot of ability. He's probably not in the same mould as Brave Man's game. Who Ben mentioned um, Denman, who was second to Nicanor that year. He's so similar to Denman, isn't he? Physique-wise, really, he's just got the same air of like a really top-notch chasing prospect the next season. He's improving rapidly as well. I mean, he's not taking baby steps. He's he's thriving from run to run and he absolutely dismantled them at Newbury. He dismantled good horses as well, like Stargate. So I think he's definitely the pick of that trio who have cornered the betting. But say just to add a bit more meat to the Bear Gills bone, you, you don't have to get all three of them out of the placings. You only need one of the big three out of the placings. I think in a properly run race like this, he might finally settle, maybe he'll even concentrate and jump a bit better. But he's got just a huge amount of ability, this horse. That, that, that day he won at Lingfield, first time out, where he, he pulled all the way around. And he wasn't beating trees. The fall worked out outrageously well. And I think he's well worth his place in, in a race like this. He's the sort of horse to me that will really thrive in the... Um, in this different scenario compared to those tactical smallish field novice races that admittedly a lot of them have run in. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 th- I'm hoping and I'm thinking this is going to stay in, in Britain for once. Okay. Just, um, I, I quite liked when I looked at the, the prices, if you, if you're looking for something to try and get in the frame folks, um, the real deal who dotted up, um, in a, a race over a similar trip, um, in a grade two at Punchestown back in January. Um, so I'm going to stick him up there if anybody's thinking of it. I think he might play. There was some breaking, I saw some doubts over his participation because of something to do with his uh, name. I have a feeling they might have, have they pulled rank? Have they pulled with him? Okay, fine. Yeah, I don't well, think you're wrong. In that case, don't back him, folks. Um, <laughs> unless, I can not run a no bet. Not run a no bet, yeah. Not run a no bet, 16 to 1, something like that. Um, might get you in the frame if they do decide to take that route. The Brown Advisory is next up. Then uh, this one is, of course, uh, three miles. Um, what used to be known as the RSA, uh, Great Gold Cup Trial. Um, in more recent times, anyway, it wasn't for a long time, was it? It used to be a race that bottomed out um, so many of them that they didn't seem to come back and, and win Gold Cups. But Denman, Bobsworth, Lord Windermere in recent times... Uh, Monkfish, many people's idea of a banker for the week, eleven to eight on. Um, could that still look um, value about uh, eight, nine minutes, uh, whatever it is after they've uh, kicked on? A bit less than that, won't it? It'll be eight or nine minutes. They'll be, um, they'll be, <laughs> they'll be in the, uh, in the really enclosure. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Dan? Monkfish. I just don't think there's any competition. I mean, he, he looks. I mean, he's he's sort of. Brave man's game of this year. He's sort of what I think Brave man's game might be next season when put over fences. It's just clearly was his calling all along and he's taken to it very well and he's got all the makings of a top-notch chaser and he's looked it and it's not just the fact he's been so impressive and the likes of latest exhibition, very good novices in their own right, have tried desperately to run the finish out of him and it hasn't happened. It's the fact that I think the competition is weak and... 
remastered maybe best of the British after his win in uh, Ascot in the Reynolds Town, but I think he'd be better placed going for the four miles. So I just, I don't know what beats him. I really don't. Maybe Ben can help us. <laughs> it's it's going to sort of make um, some of those other races like um, the National Hunt Chase uh, probably a bit more competitive than otherwise because people will be looking at this thinking, Ben, you know, what's the point? Um, and so he, he might end up, you know, with a red carpet laid out for him here. Yeah? Yeah, he's he's an outstanding chaser, isn't he? He, he wouldn't be out of place in the, the Gold Cup field, I don't think. Um, you're really, really nitpicking with this uh, just to try and get him something, to try and get him beaten. But I think when you're 8 to 13, 8 to 11, you're allowed to you know say some silly things. So we'll have a go. And, uh, he was Never been really, afraid really... of that, have you? <laughs> Never been afraid of that. Absolutely not, no. Uh, he was really keen in the Albert Bartlett last year and he ran like a chaser, didn't he? He, he, he ran like he needed a fence. He, he gave them plenty of air and since he's gone over fences, he's just been superb and he, you know, he hasn't been keen. I think fences have really made a man of him. And then last time over 2-5, he was just brilliant. Um, and he, you know, I think he could win a marsh quite, quite easily. As he, obviously, he'd have Envoy Allen to take on this year, but uh, that'd be some race. So I just wonder, would he, could he race inefficiently and, and be a little bit keen and just give the other rivals a, a window of opportunity? It's the only thing I can think of because he does everything so well and he hasn't shown over fences that he, that he might do. Um, so that's the only thing I can think of. Um, as for the opposition to, to Monkfish, JD, I'm, I'm looking at next destination for Paul Nichols, who's obviously... Had uh, his problems um, since uh, uh, coming from Willie Mullins's, but he's, he's a hugely talented horse and looks really impressive in in two chase starts. He, I think, can be can be a player as as can Aklat de Deraya for Henry de Bromhead and um, Henry de Bromhead, of course, with a formidable team going into Cheltenham this year. And this horse has his jumping has been really really impressive. He. He jumped round Punchestown like an old hand on his chasing debut and then impressed again when beating Iscaria 10 and some good novices at Nace last time. And he, he's, he, he takes a familiar Henry de Bromhead RSA chase route, doesn't he? That uh, Monoli and Minella Endo took as well. And although um, the best they could manage was second um, and he could well be playing for second behind Monkfish. I do think he'll run well. He might need soft ground to be at his best, but he's, a, he's such a good jumper, he must give himself a chance. Look, I like him each way as well. I've got to say, I've got the, the red ink next to that one on the thing. If anybody was looking for something, just have another a bet on um, in case anything drastic goes wrong with, um, with Monkfish. And obviously, we hope that's not the case on the day, but uh, these things do happen in racing sometimes. What about latest exhibition? I mean, we've both talked about him, uh, particularly you, down earlier on. You know, 12s, 14 to 1, is he still not um, an each-way play in a race where there's not a lot else apart from the favourite? Well, they, I think there was some question of whether they will go or which race they go for, the four-miler and routes right. as well. Yeah. A couple of things will put me off. He's shown twice, despite being off for his life, that he couldn't beat Monkfish. And I thought he had really hard races <laughs> in the process. Right. He, was, he was ridden like as firmly as you can be to try and put it up to Monkfish in the straight punch down at Levstown didn't didn't work out and it had happened the time before as well so I, I really do think I don't even think he's an each way proposition either because of the fact that I think he's he's had two punishing races and I won't be surprised if he bombed out 
Any thoughts on latest X, Ben, before we move I think, on? I, I don't think he'll run. I think he's going to Fairy House um, for, the, for the novice, uh, the grade one novice at Fairy House, and he's been saved for that, I think. Okay, so happy um, with Monkfish as a winner. And a couple yeah, of others, uh, Eklat the rear. really one you want to take on, is he, Monkfish? No. He's, he's, he looks superb. I think if if I'm going to have an each-way bet in the race, it'll be, uh, if uh, if it's genuine soft ground, I, I'll, I'll back Eklat de Rare each way. Okay. Champion Chase, another one, another another uh, odds-on jolly in Shaka and Shaka and Poissoir against the uh, previous dual champion, Altios, trading about 7-1, to one. Nubi Negra, of course, um, Impressive in beating Altior in the Desert Orchid at uh, Kempton in December. Politolog, defending champ. Um, and first flow, I think this is a, an interesting, very interesting champion chase renewal. Uh, if you took out Shaka and Poissoir, uh, and it might not be that you both fancy it to win, I'm not sure, we'll find out. But if you took it out, um, then who are you going for then sort of thing? It's, uh, it makes it a very open contest. But who are you with, Ben? Um. Shaq and Poissoir is obviously a, a top class, top class horse. The the one thing that he hasn't done is he's run at Cheltenham, and obviously he hasn't come up the hill. And I do wonder if he's just a little bit too short with that in mind. Um, obviously, the way he's he's he's, he's won around Leopardstown, uh, hugely impressive. It, again, there's not many chinks in his armour, and you are scratching around looking for things to take him on with, which you'll have to do with a lot of favourites next week at Cheltenham. And it's just it's just deciding which ones you're going to have a go at. I'd rather have a go at Shaq and Poissoir than Monkfish, I must admit, just with that not going up the hill before at the back of my mind. Um, and I think it's it's quite a it's quite a deep race as well. I love the champion chase, always a, always a great race. And when you look at last year and the disappointment we had with Altiar and Shaq and Poissoir not making it, it was a, it was a poor renewal. But this year, this year looks really good. There's some up-and-comers. Um, we've got the all-champions as well. And we've got the, the best two-mile chaser in training, who is Shaq and Poissoir. So I'm really looking forward to it, but I, I will be taking him on. With? Well, that's a good question. I don't <laughs> like Altiar. Um, obviously, brilliant horse, four-time festival winner. But he's just... He just looks regressive to me. And what have we seen him four times since he last won the race two years ago? Two of those are defeats to, to surname and obviously Nube Negra the last time we saw him and two victories over Sir Island. I just don't think he is, is going to be quick enough anymore. And I know Nicky Henderson's putting cheap pieces on him, isn't he? Which is an interesting angle. Um, he's, he's had first time cheap pieces on a grade one winner at Cheltenham before with Zaynar, but... I was in a triumph hurdle and there's seven years difference in age here and we just know how difficult it is for an 11-year-old in the championship races and I think it's, it's just going to be too hot for him. As much as I'd love to see him storm up the hill for a fifth festival success, I, I can't see it. So I'm looking, I'm looking at the young guns, I'm looking at the up-and-comers um, like Nube Negra, uh, like First Flow, who was fantastic in a brilliant Clarence House last time. I think he's a player if, if it's soft. I think if it's any better than that, he's, he might struggle a bit. Uh, I'd love to see Kim Bailey have a have a champion chase winner with first flow, and you know it'd be it'd be fantastic. Um, I'm I'm thinking that we might be looking at good to soft ground. And I think you've got to put your sort of weather hat on at this stage when we're getting this close. And uh, I wouldn't rule out a big run from Rouge Vif. I, 
I think when you look back at last year's novices, he might be the best of them. Uh, he was third in the Arkle on soft ground, but he's such a better horse on better conditions. Never been out of the first two on good soft ground or better. Beat Nube Negra easily in the Kingmaker last year on those sort of conditions. Put in a fantastic performance in Handicap Company off a mark of 156 at Cheltenham earlier in the season, um, which puts him bang there in the, uh, you know, without check on Parsois uh, ratings. So at 25 to 1, he is on my each way radar. Interesting call. Um, Mr. Barber? I'm just, I've gone around in circles with Shaq and Postoir. I think, I think we'll know the outcome of this race at the last fence. I think if he's five lengths clear, he'll seal the deal. If he's only got a length or two clear, I think he'll be vulnerable because I think he does so much of his running on the bridle. He's never really had to prove that he finds loads. And even at Dublin Racing Festival, the, the key aspect of that was that burst between horses approaching the second last that took him to the front. That was of a top-notch two-mile that we know he is. But we've got slight doubts about the stiffer track. Horses like First Flow will be ridden to put it up to him and, and, and test that, that angle. But in my heart of hearts, I think he's come for the best horse in the race. So my approach is to take him out of the equation altogether, look in the without favourite markets. And the one I still think has some hopes, a biggish price, is Grenatine. And he's... I think he's 33s outright. He'll be about 12s, 14s without the favourite. You back him each way. Shaq and Porsoir wins. You basically got a bet on him finishing the first four there. And I thought he was a potential champion chaser at the start of the season. He won the Halden Gold Cup to half confirm that he was of that merit. And then he ran into a just a, an eyeballs out, bang on song, politologue at Sandown. Had Rougeviff a little bit behind him. And I just felt his run at Newby was a complete throwout. He was so free, pulled, it, pulled Cobden's arms out for most of the race. Still at the third last, he looks a threat and a proper runner until the early exuberance takes its toll. I think he'll settle better with that run under his belt and in a strongly run race. And I mean, he's a big scopey horse, so I think his best day should still be ahead of him. And I like the idea that he won't have anything to do with the early pace. So I think if you're backing something each way in this, you want something that we're picking up the pieces and he might be a candidate. I thought he was overpriced in that market. That's Grenatine um, for Dan. I've got to say, if I'm going to take on the favourite with anything and it would, wouldn't would be with a win bet probably, uh, it would be first flow. Um, I, when I saw he was entered for the Clarence House before Christmas, uh, I was actually writing the spotlights for Weatherby. Um, and I remember mentioning to the to the boys, you know, this if Kim Bailey doesn't enter horses in Grade One races, if he's not seriously thinking about going there, it's not just we'll give him an entry like some trainers might do. He's clearly thinking this is going to go places, and uh, so I stuck him up. And it was a massive price, I think, at Weatherby, something like five to four. Um, when he and he he did sort of have to work a little bit to to earn the win that day, didn't he? But um, very impressed with what he produced at Ascot since then. Um, yes, I think we need some rain for him. Uh, those of us who are going to um, have a little interest, but um, I just think he's he still looks progressive. Uh, I think his trainer's not he's not you know far from confident, but he's confident he'll run a big race. I think, but not certainly not confident he's he's a winner. I think he's named um, his other one in the Ultima as his best um, chance of the week. But anyway, first flow. 
uh, my thoughts on the champion chase. So, um, any any thoughts on the bumper briefly before we move on to day three? Uh, I would. Uh, it's a show your backside in bins window job. If it doesn't go to Ireland, that's that's all <laughs> I know really. I think the British form just even by the normal standards, just doesn't stack up. The best British bumper horse in the, if they were to all go here, would be the mare I leaned over and she isn't going, she's been safe for age, she'd be getting the weight, she'd be the only one I think could even trouble them. Um, maybe Wonderwall for Richard Spencer's second best on the basis that he's a speed horse and if the ground's on the quick side, he might might have a chance, but it's between the first two in the market. The market have had them nailed for months now, weeks and months. I don't see an angle. Ben, anything? You don't have to say anything if you don't. If you don't want it, it's, it's one of those races, isn't it? So. It's just interesting, is it? With with Sir Hard going to Willie Mullins, who's already got Kilcrut, and uh, Kilcrut just looked unbelievable, didn't he, in at the Dublin Racing Festival? So um, yeah, it's it's going to go to Willie Mullins. Okay, um, Marsh, day three, um, Envoy Allen. 11 to 8 on, I think 11 to 8 on could represent value come the end of this race. Um, could look stupid in a few days' time for saying that, but uh, I cannot see anything getting past Envoy Allen here. Anybody going to disagree? I can't really remember a year like this where the three novice races have got yeah. three horses that are going to go off odds on, and I suspect the a lot of punters, and I don't even think it'd be that muggy. Would be putting them in treble, doubles, and trebles. Because I mean, all around, all across the land, there'll be people putting football teams in at those sort of prices in multis every week, and not thinking anything of it. It's very, very hard, I think, to find a hole in those three very good novices. And as we've said with a couple of races previously, like the opposition to Monkfish just isn't there. And I think you can say the same about Envoy Allen in the Marsh as well. This is what a four-day festival does for you, eh, Ben? <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine if the marsh didn't exist and we had uh, Shishkin and Energamine and Monkfish and then Violin. Oh, yeah. so that, that is a, a lip-smacking uh, uh, thought, isn't it? But we've got the marsh. He'll probably win, won't he? Uh, uh, the one thing is, he's changed tables, hasn't he? And yeah. very yeah. close to the festival as well. And we don't know. We just don't know if a change in routine, perhaps a, a change in feed, I don't know is going to affect him. Um, it's the one thing, if you, if you, you know, hunters aren't, aren't too bothered, uh, uh, are they, about um, how they find their angles, and some people will be taking him on on the back of, of moving yards. Um, if there's one to beat him, I suspect uh, Sham Blue's jumping will keep him in it for a long way. He looks a, 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 a good horse for a marsh in a normal year. It's not a normal year. We've got him violent in there, but um, I think Sham Blue will run well. And he's, he's probably the one in the best of the rest market. Okay, yeah, uh, Shambler. Concerned about um, stamina uh, up the Sandown Hill, I think it was, wasn't it, um, in the Silly Isles? It was admittedly on heavy ground, and that's unlikely. It was uh, really was, heavy ground. Yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, yeah, okay, Envoy, Alan, is he uh, banker of the week material for either of you? You're smiling, Dan. Strong, I don't know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be my sort I'd, I'd describe as a bang. I mean, he's a, I think I'd rather back Monkfish probably of the pair if I was going to take both of them. But I honestly don't think people would be mad to look at those three novice shorties and think they're worth perming up in something. But 
That's it. I'd just kill him for the idea that there's not a solid each way alternative to any of them all without the favourite, and I really don't think there are. No. Okay. Um, the Ryanair, I mean, you mentioned, both mentioned, uh, you thought the champion chase was a good renewal. I think this is one of the best, it looks on paper anyway, that, that we've seen since the Ryanair's been going. Um, Alaho, Alaho, call him what you will, 4-1 to one favourite is. Uh, we've got the likes of Min, um, Imperial Aura, Melon, all involved. Um, thoughts on this one then, Ben? Yeah, cracking race, uh, Dodgy, cracking race. Um, I think it's more wide open than 4-1 on the field. Uh, I, th- I think the best form for this year's Ryanair might be last year's Ryanair. Uh, you look at how that's worked out with Aplutard in third and Frodon in fourth and you had Min beating St. Calvados and both of them are in there again, you know, coming on the back of, of bad runs, really. But we know this race suits them. Uh, so I wouldn't throw either of those, those two out of the equation. Then you've got improving horses like Imperial Aura, who was a bit unfortunate last time and probably hasn't had an ideal prep. But from what we saw before that, he looks an ideal type for this race. Um, he's still got to find um, another level of form. I think he can. He just looks like he's got more to give Imperial Aura. So I wouldn't rule him out either. You've got festival horses like Mellon, who always seems to run well at the festival and nowhere else, who you'd give a chance to on his best farm. You think back to last year's Gold Cup and remember how Real Steel tanked into it and you'd think the Ryanair might be an ideal race for him. There's so many. There's loads. Uh, so, yeah, brilliant race. I think... Imperial Aura is the one I'm leaning towards. I'm not saying he's a he's he's, he's well found in the market for what he's achieved, but I just think there's more to come from him, and I think it's going to be run to suit. He, he just looks perfect for it, so it'd be my token selection. Okay, Imperial Aura for Ben. Um, Dan, uh, the favourite. I mean, looked like he was outstayed in the RSA up the hill. Um, last year, this would be for me anyway more like the ideal trip for him. Okay. Yeah, I think he's. I think if there's a top class horse in this race, who's yet to prove himself top class on the form book. I mean, Min has. He he is a top class horse, but I hated how he was shaping prior to that bad mistake finishing off finishing him off in Ireland last time. He was getting out jumped every fence by a notebook, and he didn't look him at all himself. So I think the horse who's going to replace him with that mantle is is Alaho. I think. He's basically still unexposed as a chaser around this sort of distance because unusually for Willie, I think he's got his trip requirements wrong twice now. Tried him in the RSA last season. He was walking up the running with Manila Rindo. They tried him in the Savills over three again. He didn't fire. What happened at Punchestown on his reappearance, nobody knows. It was running dreadful visibility. But I thought Thurler's was a lot more like it. And at Thurler's really, for me, was he looked like the horse I thought he might have been for a while. He burnt off Battle of Adoyen, Balco de Flo. They both had a crack at him. They were absolutely exhausted into the straight. And in theory, Ellie May, she was only getting two pounds, but she had the perfect setup. She tanked into it from off the pace. Looked like she might come and pick him up. And he just said, see you later on the running. I thought it was a pretty devastating front running performance. And I think that sort of display will translate well to a Ryanair. I don't see loads of competition for the lead. And I think he's... His superbly bold jumping and just this bruising run style that he has over this sort of trip might just set him apart. I'd be more confident about him than most of the, the graded races this week. Yep. Um, Aloha then for 
Dan and yours truly, Imperial Aura for Ben. Just a quick word about Mellon, because although his actual CV says one from seven over fences, you'd think that's not a great strike rate. He's run some damn good races at the very highest level, hasn't he? Is he one that's going to run into, a, into the frame but just not be quite good enough on the day? Well, he brings festival form, doesn't he? I mean, he's been second in a Supreme, a couple of champion hurdles and a marsh, and he just always seems to come alive at Cheltenham. Uh, whether he will without crowds, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, and the way he shapes earlier in the season, um, especially at Christmas behind Ed Plutard, the way he, he jumped that day um, just suggests he's still, he's still got a big race in him at some point. Whether it's in this Ryanair, I'm, I'm not sure, but you could never count, put him out of calculations, could you, at this, this meeting? Okay, let's move on to um, let's move on to Friday. We've got three more grade ones here. Try and Ferdler, of course, kicks things off. Um, now then, Tritonic, the nine to four favourite, but much much bigger than that in the Ben Linfoot uh, anti-post betting list. What price did you take on him, Ben? Well, I have had several poor anti-post bets uh, for <laughs> like you put the one shining light is Tritonic. The um, who I backed earlier in the season after he after he won at Ascot, so we've got a nice price on him. I am not sure if I'd advise him now at nine to four. I think he's got an outstanding chance, and I think there's lots more to come from him as well. I just look at that um, Adonis last time and the way he finished his race. I mean, he, he won by ten lengths, and he could have won by fifteen. He was just brilliant. Um, so I think there's more to come. Obviously, Zana here could be a formidable rival. It looks like another, another superb head-to-head in a week of, of many superb head-to-heads. I'm really looking forward to it. But yeah, I mean, he's the best flat horse Alan King's had over jumps, hasn't it? isn't he? 99 rated on the flat. He looks like he's a better hurdler already. I think the extra furlong and a half in the Triumph's really going to suit him. It's not much of a jumping test either, is it? Really, the Triumph on that, on that course. There's, there's, just, uh, there's a long, long run to the last, isn't there? So... Yeah, I don't think questions. I don't think Zanahir's ch- chief weapons are going to trouble Tritonic. Is what I'm thinking, but it's what I'm talking myself into anyway. So yeah, I do like him. He's a he's a horse of immense potential. Uh, any different thoughts on that, Dan? There's uh, Quilixios, no. of course, Adagio. No, I'm um, I'm firmly in this Tritonic camp. I remember tweeting the owner after Royal Ascot, and I said, "Game hurdling, you'd be favourite for the Triumph." Now it's the noise at the time was that he wouldn't he wouldn't be going for the race and they might keep him for the Supreme um, next season. But they've taken the right step. And it's not just Alan. It's the fact it's Alan King's best horse to go jumping. It'll be the best flat horse that's gone jumping mm. all season because those horses just don't go hurdling anymore. And the fact he was McNeil's on the flat for a, a dual-purpose trainer has meant that they're happy to keep him in that yard and have a crack at hurdling with him and... I mean, he might be 20, 30 pounds better than the, the bog standard juvenile hurdler. And the improvement from first run to second over hurdles is there for all to see. I thought he did ridiculously well the first time out, actually, because Castellupi nearly nicked that. And he had to to sustain his run as he did was pretty exceptional, I thought. He, before he went hurdling, he looked like the archetypal, classic, good quality juvenile. I mean, top quality juvenile, really. Stay so well on the flat. Loads of form in these the hurly burly of these big competitive handicaps, including that Royal Ascot one. Loads of size to him. 
But the step forward from first run to second, beating Casalupi by an extra nine lengths without Heskin really moving much on him. And he sprinted up the running in a faster time. And it's only it's a little over a furlong. He was about a second quicker on the running than the winner of the Duff Cut had been. Duff Cut, Kate Gentleman, an Irish says winner had been earlier in the day. And he was doing it pretty much under his own power. I mean, he, it was a phenomenal display of speed. And I just struggle to believe that they can be able to juvenile than him. And maybe Zanay here is this freak, but in terms of box ticking, who's got the best platform? Who's who's in the right yard, that sort of thing. Uh, I just, I think in percentage terms, it's far more likely that he's the one to beat rather than him. It's great to see. It's great to see a, a hundred rated flat horse go over hurdles, isn't it? We just don't see them these days. Don't see many no. with because of the international programme on the flat and uh, horses going abroad and even the old weather. You just, you just don't see these sort of horses go over hurdles and it's, it's great to see. I can't think... Was Nichols Canyon a hundred rated flat horse who won at Chelsea? Yeah. There's not many, is yeah, there? Nichols Canyon. There aren't no. I mean, Joseph's had a fair few and none of them yeah. have really taken to it that well. Um obviously Thingy, the the horse who won the triumph whose name escapes me now a few years ago when Joseph was basically training, it wasn't the under Aiden's name. What was he That's called? Right, that yeah. one who became disappointing. Um but yeah, it is a rarity. I remember a few years ago my uncle my uncle owned a horse called in partnership with his, his friend and owned a horse called Allied Powers with Michael Bell, really good middle distance flat operator. And they were going to go hurdling with, or selling to go hurdling, but they went a season too late, I think, when he was six. But you, they, even that idea doesn't seem to occur to any owners now that, that they'd, they'd even buy a horse like that. He'd be snapped up by Australia. Not even my um, favourite all time anti post bet or bets. Um, was 100 rated when he switched from the flat to win the champion hurdle, Alderbrook. 90-ish, was he? About 90? 92, maybe, something like that. Uh, Cribensis, what was he? It'd have been something similar, wouldn't he? In the 90s, I would have thought. Anyway. Um, if I'm Gorbatov, I've, I've just remembered it, sorry. Yes. That's it. Not the triumph, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He did become disappointing, didn't he? Uh, okay, so the three of us for Tritonic in the triumph. Albert Bartlett, let's uh, whiz through this one because, uh, well, it's, it's been a graveyard for favourites um, plenty of times over the years and some big price winners. It's consistently, uh, if you like, average SP, uh, the biggest of the grade ones during the week, isn't it? Um, I like um, Ala Philippe here, I've got to say. Um, just like the way that he dotted up at uh, Haydock, wasn't it, in that um, grade two contest, well, trial for this back in um, February, three from four over hurdles. Uh, and I think he's a, he's a working men's price at double figures, 12 to one. And I'd be very concerned in taking him on. Um, with Taking on Tory Graff, who I think has got um, a big chance as well, uh, shorter in the market. What about you two boys? Uh, ben starts off. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to hear some bullishness from Andy Stewart today regarding Barbados books. He's saying that uh, Harry Cobden told him he's improved a stone since he last run, which is nice to hear. Um, he's, he's got a good chance, hasn't he? He's run three times and, and did it well under a penalty last time at Kempton. So he's on the radar. I like Fakira, who's got bags of experience um, from the Gordon Elliott, now Denise Sneezy Foster Yard in Ireland. Um, he should um, improve, I think, going up in trip after his good running on fourth over two six at the Dublin Racing Festival, and he's got he's got that experience that you look for in an Albert Bartlett. 
it looks like he it does nothing but stay, doesn't he? As well, it's all that gives that impression. That's what you need, don't you? It's quite a grueling race for novices. You want that experience with a horse that just looks to have stamina in abundance, and I think he ticks that box more than most. Dan, um, I'm not mega sold on this race generally. I do like Adramel as a horse. I think he'll improve for the trip. I thought he won at Warwick. I thought he was taking the mickey all the way around, really. I think he was always doing enough. His earlier defeat of Grumpy Charlie in the Haydock Mud, absolutely optimum conditions for Grumpy Charlie. Weeds well now. That horse has done nothing but improve since and has won a handicap off a lofty figure. So uh, Adramel would probably be uh, top of my list. And Duffelcoat, I don't know I don't know the plans. Maybe Ben said a bit more now about Duffelcoat, but it's interesting that he's in here because he looks an absolutely thorough stayer at two miles. And you can't think of many four-year-olds that have had a go. No, you can't. No, it would would have to be a freak. He's getting nine Nine pounds. pounds. I mean, you'd have to be a real freak of a four-year-old to to (laughs) win an Albert Bartlett, wouldn't you? I mean, it'd be obscene, really. But the fact they're entering him does suggest his his shape, really. I mean, that race against Adagio, he was flat out, two out, on the long run between the last two, and he he really motored late on. He might just be a a bit green still, which has made it look a bit more, a bit deceptive that he's a bit slow. Maybe he isn't quite that slow, but he's an intriguing runner for a horse that looks a stay to me. I'd like to see it. It'd be nice to see a four-year-old have a go at this and just have a look at the weight. Yeah, we just want to see, you just want to see different things, don't you? I mean, yeah, yeah. That, it's like Altior having a crack at two and a half and like, well, why not give him, why not stick with it for once? I mean, just try something slightly different with these horses. Absolutely. So, just to summarise, uh, if he ran in the race, Dan, you'd be at least interested in uh, taking a closer look at Duffelcoat. Duffel you know, yeah, but, yeah, but Adramel primarily strikes me as a, as a real Albert Bartlett type. Okay, if the stable um, form is a concern, though, that yard appears to have gone really off the boil. Yeah. Tom Lacey, I don't know why, but they've gone quiet. And for Kira, for Ben, and uh, Alaphilippe, uh, double figures for me, um, Tory Graf, the one that I'd fear most. Um, and then the big one, the Blue Ribbon, the Gold Cup. Uh, album photo trying to complete a hat trick and he's not quite gone down the same geographical route as best mate did but the same sort of program for the last few years of well uh, blinking you'll miss him because you don't see him too much is that gonna uh, enable him to prove good enough to lift it for a third time down well what it does do i think it means that he's he's not as exposed a horse as you might anticipate a horse trying to have his third crack at a Gold Cup. And best mate was probably in a similar category. I think you have to make him favourite because of the been there, done that, got the T-shirt vibe. But I, th- I think the Gold Cup is a race. He obviously falls into that camp, but it's a race that has specialists in it. You, you get very good three-milers and then you get Gold Cup horses. And for me, the most... The race most akin to a Gold Cup this season in terms of the examination was that rearranged Cotswold chase that Native River won. It all depends on the ground, really. If it's good to soft, I think he'll be he'll still be okay because it will test stamina still and he'll get an aggressive ride. And the time he ran in a Gold Cup Native River away from bad ground, he had a disastrous start and then was really rushed up by Johnson to get to the front and he probably burst him a little bit. I think if... In a in strange in a way, I, I don't see loads of. There's no Coney Gree that's definitely going to go forward there. I think there's a chance that Native River could get to dictate, and he's a double figure price. Very rarely runs a bad race. The Tizard horse's troubles have been well documented, but he's one who's looked a little immune to it. Silly race at Aintree first time out, and then 
seeing off the likes of Bristol Demay and the, the rest of them. That was they were coast guard territory, weren't they? They were that far behind. No, I didn't know where they were entering the straight, and he just kept rolling on as he does. So I, I think I back him each way and hope either ground worsens and there's a bit of watering throughout the week and he'll get something on the soft side of good. Okay, um, Ben. Well, it's not always won by a classy horse, this race, is it? You look back down the years and you look at horses like Lord Windermere and, and Synchronised, and I'd never back that type of horse. Perhaps I should, but I always look for a classy horse in the Gold Cup. I always want a horse that's got gears, uh, rightly or wrongly. And, and the one that I've come down on this year, I think Album Photo has got a fantastic chance because he's, he's won two very different Gold Cups, hasn't he? Two years ago, it was quite a strong gallop, and last year, he won off a, a muddling pace, and he did really well to win last year. There was seven jumping the last that could have won, and he's toughed it out in, in good style. So he's, you know, he's got a lot going for him, Albin, obviously. Um, Willie Mullins, a creature of habit, doing exactly what he's done the last two years again. And I think he's, 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 a, he's a genuine 175 horse, and he's the one to beat. But I don't think he's got loads in hand on the up-and-comers snapping at his heels. And I'd put a Tad in that bracket. And he's the one that I'm coming down on. I just... When you look at when he beat Shaq and Passoire over 2-1 at Leopardstown, he's, he's got those gears. And he reminds me of sizing John, who was in Duvan shadow for so long and then stepped up in trip and won the Gold Cup and won a, you know, quite a few grade ones over this sort of distance. And Aplutad just reminds me of him. And the way he won the Savile's Chase was a horse that's blessed with plenty of stamina because it's a tough track, Leopardstown. It was a strong gallop. It was testing ground and he, and he won going away at the end like a horse that would thrive over 3-2 in the Cheltenham Gold Cup. So I'm looking at him, the way he won that year at the festival, it's just all these little clues and hints that we've got a, a Gold Cup horse on our hands in uh, a Plutard for Henry de Bromhead. So he's the one I've come down on. Yeah, and um, sorry to not be original, but I'm with you in the sense that I've taken on album photo for the last two years, a bit like I did with Best Mate, so you know <laughs> this is going to go. Um, so, yeah, I just think take him on again sort of thing, try and find something to beat him. And, and that one for me, and I'll tell you what you're saying, Dan, because uh, I love the horse, uh, Native River, and he could run an absolute biggie uh, and still make the frame. Uh, but Aplutar, in terms of trying to find a winner against the favourite, uh, would be my idea. I'd, if, if you're good enough, if you've got the speed to beat a Chaco and Poissoir, as he did last year, you know, it's not that long, you know, 14 months or 15 months, whatever it is, since he was good enough to beat him over two miles and a furlong. But I think he certainly proved to me in the Savills that he's got bags of stamina. So if he's got both pace and the ability to stay, then that makes up into the sort of horse who's going to be bang there come the end of the Gold Cup. So it'll do for me this year. Absolutely. What do we um, think right. of Champ? I mean, yeah, he's a bit of a head We're not even mentioning him, have we? Um, he, well, he's, he's got, you know, he, the way that he returned in the game spirit was full of promise, wasn't it? Um, yeah, my only I thing with him what was. What do you think, though? Well, the, the market, I just felt it was a bit of a market overreaction. I mean, he did that performance justify 12 to 1 into 9 to 2. That was my mm. only thought that maybe he'd gone yeah. skinny enough now. I still don't think he's a copper bottom stayer, despite that unbelievable out of the fire job in the RSA. He never looked a thorough stayer to me prior to last season, and he's obviously got the toe to be competitive in a game spirit, which is pretty freakish for a staying type. But, and no, I, I thought. I thought it was a bit underpriced now. Don't forget, in the RSA, they only have to go up that hill uh, twice 
during the race, don't they? Not uh, not the three times. I know they're not doing it at the start of a Gold Cup, but still, they've still got to climb it for a, a third time to get to the finish. Okay, so we've done the, the grade one, boys. We've got the shoulder races to think about and the handicaps, but I think rather than just go handicap, handicap, etc., we'll just get your collective thoughts on anything that you fancy. And I know there's still a lot of horses, uh, runners to be declared, but anything that's caught your eye as something that's particularly well handicapped that you've been looking forward to seeing running at the festival. Start us off, Ben. I, in the handicaps, I'm thinking countdown style, one from the top and <coughs> four from elsewhere at bigger prices. So the one from the top would be my solid handicapper, which I'll put up first, which would be Imperial Alcazar. In the attempts for Fergal O'Brien, um, I just think off 147, he could still be very, very well treated in that race. Um, he uh, returned in the what used to be the fixed brush, I forgot what it's called now, it's over conventional hurdles at Haydock. And uh, Fergal O'Brien said it was trainer error that day in giving Paddy Brennan the wrong instructions and he rode him far too prominently on the back of what his trainer told him. And then did what he wanted next time at Warwick and held him up and he absolutely sluiced up, didn't he? Uh, went up nine pounds. But I think he's, he's obviously got a stairs hurdle entry and I think he's probably a grade one half, probably the best Fergal O'Brien's ever trained. And he's, he's not had a festival winner yet, but I think he will this year. And uh, I think it'll be with this horse in the attempt. Okay. Um, and you're four from the bottom? I'll spin through them. Okay. I uh, like... I like a few unsexy ones. I'm going to be honest with you. That a, a big prices now. A character for you, that probably going to be bigger prices on the day. I must admit. Um, there's one in the ultimate. Dan might even laugh at me for this. I would never do that. <laughs> never. But in in May 2019, this horse was running at Ludlow off a mark of one two four, and he refused to race. You know where I'm going. Admiral's Secret for Victor Dartnell. And oh, yeah, yeah. He's turned his life around this horse from a refusing to race monkey into a consistent staying on machine. And he's it's just... pony. He has a, I was at Warwick when the, the, they pony him down to start now. They've gone yeah, to yeah. all these lengths. Well, it's, it's turned him around under Alan Jones as well. And that, that form last time behind two for Golden Ace, so over two and a half, it's, I think it's just really solid. And I love him stepping up in trip to, to three for the first time in the ultimate. Um, I just think it's really going to suit him, a, a strong traveller that comes from off the pace. Um, he's related to, to a lot of stayers in, in his pedigree, and I think that could unlock further improvement in a horse that's rapidly improved since that day at Ludlow. And uh, he's not a sexy horse, he's 10 years old, but I think he's going to run really well, and he's 25 to 1, so he's one of my ones from the bottom or the top, depending on your perspective. <laughs> like um, Boran Bill in the Coral Cup, another unsexy one for Emma Lavelle. He won the Lanzarote last time pretty easily with his ears pricked, and he was 66 to 1 that day. But I think there was a lot of stable second string syndrome factored into that price, and he won it really well. And if you look, you know, he won it with his ears pricked like a horse loving life. And I think they've found the key to it, and that's two mile five over hurdles. And he's going to get that in the Coral Cup. Um, he's 25 to 1 I think he'll probably be bigger than that next week so he's another one on my radar that I'm waiting until the, you know, they're pushing these sort of houses out in the market as they come for all the novices that's my sort of thinking with, with those two uh, another couple, uh, Sage Advice I quite like in the Boodles Fred Winter 
for Dr Richard Newland. Looked really impressive on hurdling debut at Kempton earlier in the season. Uh, ran really well at Warwick behind one of Dan Skelton's. Um, the name just has, has disappeared from my memory. But uh, he franked the form anyway, and he could be well treated on that line of form off the mark of 127. And he, he had a bit of a qualifying run last time in a three-runner race in, in heavy ground, and I'd just stick a line through that. I think he's interesting off a mark that's probably going to be towards the bottom of the weights. Sage advice in the, in the Fred Winter. And finally... Um, champagne gold in the county for Henry de Bromed. Um, just a, a, a quick, rapidly improving horse. And that second at the Dublin Racing Festival, he, he got mugged a little bit. I thought he looked like he was going to come and win that race that day. Uh, he's always solid for that race. Um, I think he's five pounds higher than his Irish mark, 144. Looks absolutely fine for him. He, he, he's, uh, he could be better than a handicapper in time. And I think a strongly run county is exactly what this horse needs. Okay, so we've got those four written down. Admiral Secret in the Ultimate, Boreham Bill in the Coral Cup, Sage Advice in the Boodles and Champagne Gold in the county. Dan, anything from you? Yeah, I think my, my strongest could be furthest ahead of its mark horse of the week is who Green. I've got to admit, I think... I've got Sage Advice down as the main danger, I really do. I think it'll be a different horse away from that awful ground. His face turned out quickly at Font by the other week. Um, Hugh Green, for me, looks at the second last of that finale hurdle like he might be a triumph hurdle horse. He's, he's tanked through it. Got upsides Adagio and Asylum going as well as them. And I think the absence has taken its toll. And immediately after the race, the talk was of the triumph. He looked a 140 horse for most of that. And yet he gets into a Fred Winter, having been kept fresh since off one to eight. I think that could be really, really lenient for a stable who have won, I think, three or four previous Fred, Win Fred Winters or Boodles with very similar types, ex-French horses on which the handicapper hasn't had enough to go on to get them right. And I think he's got this horse wrong as well. Um, so he'd be my strongest handicap view. I'll put three others in at bigger prices. I like Chosen Mate to go back-to-back -back in the Grand Annual. I thought that was an exceptionally strong Grand Annual last season. And he won it in the style of a potential graded horse. I don't think he's had the gun put to his head this season in a range of races, often ridden by a claimer. I think um, he's got other entries. He's entered over hurdles as well. I see no reason why this wouldn't be the plan to try and win this again. And he's nine higher this year. On the face of it, it might look, oh, well, he's... If he's nine higher and he's to improve again, maybe he does. But I did think that was a really, really strong grand annual. And I don't think this necessarily is. Thought he was interesting. Column of Fire, again, for the Elliot Foster axis. He's just been a pretty luckless horse in Cheltenham Festivals down the, over the last couple of seasons. And I get the sense, again, that he's very much been campaigned with it. I mean, that's, that's trite to say that. I, nearly 95% of the fields will have been campaigned with Cheltenham in mind, but some profiles and campaigning look a bit more obvious than others. So I'd like him for, I think he's Coral Cup, isn't he? He's Coral Cup bound or, or Martin Pike, whichever one they, they designate. And lastly, biggest price of the lot would be County Hurdle again. I'd go for strong glance for Ollie Murphy and Aidan Coleman. And for me, the angle is two miles on good ground, potentially turning this horse inside out and, I don't think there's a horse with more ability than him in this field. For him to do what he's done in those Linkfield jumpers bumpers, I know they're on the Linkfield jumpers bumpers, 
but I've watched enough racing around Linkfield's flat course to know that horses don't go from last to first up the inside at Linkfield and win races. And he's done it twice in a row, giving weight last time to beat the judge. He was giving him six pounds and they pulled 10 lengths clear of the rest. Beat the judge is a really solid 140 horse. His best running handicap hurdles this season was that second at Aintree where I thought he got outstayed by Jack Amal. That was two and a half. Heavy ground, no good to him. Uh, in the Great Wood, where he didn't figure, but I think the two jumpers bumpers runs suggest to me that all the ability is still there that he had in his earlier days, and I think if he's going to show it, he's going to show it two miles on on decent ground, which hopefully he'll get this week. And he's he's thirty three, as I've seen, and particularly when you're probably going to be falling over themselves to give you six and seven places in that race on the day. I mean, as long as he doesn't fall over, I think he'll be back. I can sort of see perfect smuggling ride up the inside cut through horses and hopefully be delivered late so he doesn't realise he's had a race. Simples. Simples. I, I quite like, um, well, the ultimate looks like an absolutely belting handicap chase. I mean, year on year, it's uh, it's just about the best sort of three-mile handicap around, um, I reckon, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, well, obviously, there's the Ladbrook as well, of course, uh, over a little bit further. But you know what I'm saying? It's, it's um, quality uh, horses who are not quite Gold Cup standard, and there's one or two uh, in here. I write, I think he'll run a, a big, real, real solid option, run a big race uh, an each way price. But um, I'm trying to, the reason I'm stumbling here is because I can't read my own writing. Um, Happy Go Lucky is the one I'm trying to read. He's obviously the favourite, and that's uh, Kim Bailey. We've been asked actually, in fact, for one or two questions what's Kim Bailey's best chance of the week? Uh, lads, the lads will have their opinions in a moment, but uh, the trainer himself thinks that Happy Go Lucky has got an outstanding chance. I love, I love Remastered. I like the way um, he won last time. He's entered for this. He's also entered for the National Hunt Chase. Um, probably, he might just be a shade below top class if he ran in, a, in an RSA or whatever. It's the Brown Advisor, as it's called these days. But I'd be interested in being with Remastered, whichever race he turns up in here is probably what I'm trying to say. Um, and also the Shunter, who seems to have been entered in just about everything except the local village fate um, next week. Uh, I think wherever he turns up again, whichever race they think is the right one, um, I'd be interested in being with him. I love what Ben said about Imperial Alcazar. I can't disagree with that. I think he's got a, a, an outstanding chance. But if people are thinking about an each way bet in that race, possibly uh, to take on some of the shorter ones, I, again, another David Pipe horse in Brinkley. Um, and... Another that's double-entered, um, and I'm not sure, couldn't find anything specific, and you two may be able to point me straight if you've heard anything lately, but 50 ball for Gary Moore, who's down in both the County and the Coral Cup. I think he's interested in both, to be honest with you. Uh, but for me, I'd probably be most interested if he ran in the County, actually. I think he's a strong stayer. He's going to get the pace he wants. Uh, and Gary Moore in sort of big field handicap hurdles over the years. He might have made a fair profit if you'd have followed... Uh, some of his. Um, have you heard anything in terms of news on where they're, dis- they're definitely aiming him? I haven't necessarily. He looks more of a two-miler to me. I mean, I think he's a, a quick horse. He looked that in the bet fair. I don't, yeah. As you say, he's got so many entries. But that's that's the handy thing about numbering no bet, isn't it? You can, you can get your cash back. So 50 ball. Um, last one I'm going to put up. Okay, folks. I think we're done and dusted with um, the racing itself. Just those two or three quick questions that we had in. Uh, Kim Bailey's got some nice horses at the festival. What does the panel think is his best chance? Well, he said it's Imperial Aura. Uh, 
think I'm right in saying that I just read. Um, you two, what do you think? Would you disagree or agree with that? I think the market would, tells uh, you that I'd love to it? see... Yeah, I'd love to see first flow run well in the champion chase, and, and I think he will on soft ground. But I, I think his best chance is Imperial Ired, certainly. Same for you, Dan. Yeah, the market tells you doesn't need sixes to win that race, and I think first flow is nines or tens for 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 the champion. And he might have been a bit shorter still, Imperial Ired, if he hadn't tipped up in silly fashion at Kempton. But um, uh, very very likable. Horse, he looks a very, very much a type for the Ryanair, doesn't he? I should have noted down who asked that question. I think it was Andrew, so thanks, Andrew, for your question. Sam, uh, she asked, um, which horses do you think will respond positively to the lack of crowds and which will be impacted negatively? Now, I know you do a lot of research into horses and crowd noise, you two, so you'll have this one off to a tee, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be different, isn't it? We always say about the festival atmosphere and how some horses thrive on it uh, and we mentioned earlier in this this podcast that melon thrives on it every every year and perhaps he won't be uh, as as g'd up this time I, I guess i don't know it could help goshen he he can be a buzzy horse can he and uh, you won't want to get him lit up before the champion hurdle so perhaps perhaps a, a deserted presbury park might enhance his champion hurdle claims and and crowd noise down you know i mean this is just this is manner from heaven for a time form number cruncher like yourself because you'll have an extra <laughs> column now in the race guard next week with um, whatever it is decibel levels decibel like yeah yeah well um, it's a, maybe, maybe it's a ready made excuse when most of my more confident selections finished tailed off behind the ambulance um, <laughs> maybe Admiral Secrets one. maybe maybe he'll be still on his best behaviour <laughs> If there aren't any crowds, no books also who's had trouble with that in the past. But to be honest, JD, there are enough factors to consider higher on the list of priorities for me before I start getting down to stuff like if I'm not backing a horse because I'm I'm worried the crowd might be too much for it, or if I'm backing a horse because I think it might be better away from the crowds, then I don't know. I'll, I'll probably end up giving up. I think you do need an. You just got to start thinking about antisocials now in time form race cars. That's got to be a factor. Um, factored into to uh, what comes up in the future, and then finally from James, uh, first Lord do QA. Uh, will it go for the Martin Pipe? Do you think he says, and then what sort of chance would he give it if he does? Well, David Pipe's been trying to win the uh, race named after his father for a, a long while, hasn't he? And I'm sure that he will be throwing everything he's got at it again this year. Um, I think. First Lord de Coué might well have ruined his chance by winning by eight and a half lengths last time and going up £10 in the weights because it's such a competitive race, isn't it, with so many future three-milers that do so well in it from the big yards. So I would say that the, the handicapper might have him. I think that the uh, one with the best chance from the pipe yard might be Martinel, um, who is off one three three, And will he get in? Not sure, but... Um, I think he'll appreciate stepping up in trip from 2-2 two, two that he won over when making all at Exeter last time. He's he's a, 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 an improving sort that has gone up um, £10 after winning a novice, but I think he's 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 one to, to have on side if he sneaks in. I'm not sure he will. I don't know. OK. And finally, um, how are you going to be spending your, your festival week, the pair of you, Dan? Are you there? Tuesday. 
I'm down there on Tuesday for Racing TV on the morning. I'm in the studio on the Friday and Thursday and Wednesday. I'm hopefully sat at home in my underpants watching it undisturbed. <laughs> oh, no. Like usual. That's put me off my supper. Um, ben? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll be working every day for Sporting Life in, in my underpants as well. So oh, from the uh, yeah, comfort absolutely. of my living room. Well, <laughs> Well, Ben and I and I will be sharing office in the next few months, hopefully. And so we will. Maybe that's the culture that we'll try and breed there when we're in that time from sporting life conglomerate. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no often, underpants Wednesday. Uh, no, definitely underpants. Don't be no underpants. I'm not often delighted to see your two bonces, but um, I'm very, very pleased that the camera is focused on them and not lower at this moment in time. <laughs> uh, boys, uh, brilliant. Thanks very much for your time. Uh, thanks to everybody for for watching and helping us raise a few quid as well. So to Ben Linford of Sporting Life, value bet legend, and to Timeform Jumps editor and racing TV guru, um, Dan Barber. Many thanks for your time, boys. Uh, best of luck at next week's festival with your bets. Best of luck to you folks as well with yours. Um, and uh, if they don't go in, you know it's like, don't shoot the messengers. <laughs>